0: For this episode, we'll be talking about Van Halen. Van Halen. On the line, I have Rob. Woo! Ben. Woo! John.
1: Put your headphones on! I'm in your hands!
0: And Kyle. <laughs> 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 Van Halen is a self-titled debut studio album by the American hard rock band Van Halen, released on February 10th, 1978. The producer was Ted Templeman. And the genre is hard rock, heavy metal. And I'm going to read from All Music view Stephen Thomas Irvine. Among revolutionary rock albums, Van Halen's debut often gets short shrift. Although it altered perceptions of what the guitar could do, it is not spoken of in the same reverent tones as Are You Experienced? and although it set the template for how rock and roll sounded for the next decade or more it isn't seen as a generational shift like led zeppelin the ramones the rolling stones or sex pistols but make no mistake van halen is as monumental and as seismic as those records but part of the reason is never given the same due is that there is no pretension nothing self-conscious about it in the best sense it is an artless record in the sense that it doesn't seem contrived, but is also a great work of art because it's effortless, guileless expression of what the band is all about and what it would be, continue to be over the years. Everything was in place here from the start, from the robotic pulse of Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen to the gonzo schtick of David Lee Roth to the astonishing guitar of Eddie Van Halen. There may have been antecedents to the sound. Perhaps you could trace... Diamond Dave's Shuck and Jive to Black Oak, Arkansas. Jim Dandy, the slippery bluesless riffs harken back to Aerosmith, but Van Halen to this day sounds utterly unprecedented, as if it was dispatched from a distant star. Some of the history behind the record has become rock lore. Eddie may have slowed down Cream Records to crawl to learn how Clapton played Crossroads, the very stuff of legends are made of, but it's hard to hear Clapton here, it's hard to hear anybody else really, even with the traces of their influences on the cover of You Really Got Me, which doesn't seem as if it were chosen because of any great love of the Kinks, but rather because the riff got the crowd going. And that's true of all 11 songs here. They are songs designed to get a rise out of the audience, designed to get them to have a good time. And the album still crackles with energy because of it. All right. What do we think of Van Halen? Van Halen.
2: First time listener right here.
0: Masterpiece. First time well, not listener. To, not,
2: not to Van Halen, right? Well, not just, to Van Halen, but to yeah. Van Halen. Well, yeah, to Van Halen, oh. but not to Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> if, if you had told me this was uh, Van Halen's Greatest Hits Volume 1 I would have been like, oh tight <laughs> uh, But if you tell me this is their self-titled debut I'm like, holy shit How is this not mentioned in the same breath as Are You Experienced?
3: I think, you know? I think like, it is, man um, But you're talking to the wrong people Like pe- People who are super into Van Halen I, I guess they aren't as pretentious as people who are super into your your Led Zeppelin or your uh,
2: is it a, a, a generational divide?
3: I don't think it's a generational divide. I think it's a Hesher divide. I, I think that uh, this is like you know a heavy metal parking lot versus whatever else. Like it, yeah, abso- uh, You know, since we are recording this and Eddie Van Halen has recently passed away, like this is a uh,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
3: yeah, it's it's hitting a little bit harder than than it would have but yeah i mean like as far as like a singular voice and guitar he absolutely is the template for heavy metal like nothing nothing sounded like him before you don't get your uh uh whatever like uh you know
1: malmsteen your, your, your,
3: your malmsteen's your uh uh Whatever prodigy that Ozzy Osbourne's going to be working Wild. with, Z- or Zach Wilds, or whatever Don else. Like, yeah, n- none of that shit exists Flash. without Eddie Van Halen doing this yeah, stuff. No,
1: Slash. Um, has specifically said that he's modeled a lot of his playing off of Eddie Van Halen. Absolutely,
0: everybody has. So, is,
2: is this the? Is I know it popularized it, but is does anyone know? Is this like the? Did Eddie Van Halen start the two-hand tap? Like, is that his thing? No.
1: Um, he, I he popularized it in in like metal, but previously you could say that it came from Paganini or Flamenco before that, at yeah. the start of it. Uh, then okay. more okay. recently, Eddie Van Halen dug, uh, fuck, the guitarist for Genesis, I think, and said that he had done some tapping and that he liked that and hmm. took it from there. So not Peter
3: Gabriel or Phil Collins, but the other guy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 you know... Uh there's two other guys. Two other
0: guys. <laughs> to your to your question though Ben, in all, of, you know, for for with popular all music. respect to those other people who might have done it before, Eddie Van Halen who's ev- who everybody looked to. So for,
2: for
1: the record, I, it was Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett <laughs> ah, Eddie Van Halen Steve. said uh that he took the technique from or 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 somewhat saw it from.
0: Yeah. But he he made it, he created it in this metal way. Oh, hell yeah. Right. He, he right. created hear... the Franken Stein guitar, well, yeah. the Frankenstrat, and made that thing sing like these dive bombs, these the you know, including whammy bar, all the tricks that that you see guitarists use from then on. Obviously Jemmy was a huge influence for innovation like this, but yeah, Eddie's like the next step.
3: Yeah. You know, every time someone says whammy bar, I hear it in the voice of T.A. Carrera. And Oh boy. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a thing. Like, you, you a whammy bar. <laughs> you can't unhear it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Birch. It just, that went through my head every, every
1: time. Every fucking time.
2: Uh, 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 well, now, now it's in my head. and, yeah. and Well, I mean,
1: to to bring it back to the album, if you want, um, you know, you talk about order on an album a lot. They come out with "Running with the Devil," totally just can. setting setting Ooh. the tone, and then and then what do you follow that with? Eruption, a minute twenty solo, where Eddie fucking destroys it. I mean, that's that's where you hear that tapping, Birch. That's what you're talking about. Like, yeah. if you want and
5: to that know what Eddie Van Halen for sounds that track like, too, yeah. Do Anything's, you guys know what party fucked up on there? He fucked up. Yeah, there's several <laughs> interviews where they ask him about that song, and he hates hearing it because he like flubbed one note. And, and oh, really? I've listened to it like several times since I found that out, but I was curious if you guys knew. No. You know, this is this iconic, iconic song that inspired thousands and thousands of guitarists, I assume. And every time he hears it, like he hears this flubbed note. And- <laughs>
4: It's and gotta be one of the it was. Uh, uh,
3: w- one of the arpeggio downs, like on the finger mm-hmm. tapping. But I I just thought it was you know flair. <laughs> so yeah, same.
2: He could have told us it was flair, and everyone would have believed him.
0: Yeah,
5: uh,
2: you're, uh, you're your own it's worst interesting critic to hear you say that, Kyle. Because I, I I had read earlier the the majority of this album was recorded live. Yeah, so <laughs> so you know, run run with the devil going into eruption, going into you really got me. That might have been a take. I don't know for a fact it was. There were
1: there were definite but, overdubs, yeah. of guitar and drums for running well, with the devil,
2: right? O- over overdubs, mm-hmm. but the the initial ground tracks, mm-hmm. which would have included his guitar, especially during eruption, recording live like that. You yeah 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 flubbing one note on 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 eruption. What a bummer, but. You know, dude, no one, no one else hears it, Edward.
0: Yeah, he he was notorious uh, with his band, and they would say he never hits a wrong note. Like literally, you watch concerts, you watch shows, and he is he is a master. He kills it every time, and I think that's why everyone was just enamored. It's like that Jimi Hendrix uh, idea. Obviously, Jimmy was a little more experimental, little I think a, maybe a slight, you know, little less technical because. Of uh just Eddie was uh, wanted to do something different. I think Jimmy could have done, got there, um, but probably wasn't the same uh idea. I mean, for for the got band. over
2: a decade of evolution, oh, absolutely. musical evolution
0: in between the two. Totally. Um, but yeah, he he did it and he he's created that tone then was just sought after. The brown sound, as they called it, was just that's the guitar tone that every guitarist, then every metal band, every, you know, hard rock band would be like, that's it. That's what we're doing. There was a, this had like hundreds of clones.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Man, Mick bars for one.
2: I, I, I tell you what, the amount of virtuosity on display on this album paired with just the entire lack of pretension is so refreshing this ben, is such a nice listen this 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 band could have been pretentious but they're like no nah, man let's party this makes and, me so happy
5: you've never heard this record like
2: i had well, this like, record on cassette tape is, is all on greatest hits
5: yeah i had this record on cassette tape like uh in 1999 like a drinking gonna be funny
2: yeah, and then that's I heard tough. it and
5: I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs>
3: I think you and I shopped at the same gas station. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think we might have both shoplifted this from Goodwill when we were fine, teenagers. Fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember driving around with this tape in my in my Buick and just you never want to take it out. Like every song is Dude. good. And there's it's uh, true. little dreamer guys. Little Damn, dreamer. It's so much. Who fun? gets it's to with little dreamer fun?
2: It so much fun. Man. They should play
5: Little Dreamer every hour on the hour on Q ninety five.
3: I love the uh I love the line, you're slightly good looking.
2: I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: love it.
3: <laughs> oh sorry, you're you're semi good looking. Semi good looking. Yeah. You're yeah.
4: Semi <laughs> good looking. Semi
0: good looking. <laughs> uh I was the same Kyle. Jamie Roth is so funny. I had uh I was the same. I had an old Two older brothers, but the oldest brother—he was getting into, you know, White Snake and uh, all these other bands—and he had this on cassette, and it just, yeah. When I heard it, it blew me away. The guitar, yeah. On it, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even conceive of what what that was. Uh, I mean, obviously, I knew it was some sort of like instrument, but I I didn't know it was a guitar. You know, I I, I couldn't visualize how this could be a guitar. When you put it next to something like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Because it's just it it sounds so different.
5: It's it's played by, yeah, somebody who has a completely different idea of what a guitar, what kind of sounds you should make with it. It's
2: so much of an idea on what a guitar could be that he couldn't find a guitar that would do what he wanted to do. So he had to just make one out of the what he considered the best attributes of several different guitars, which I I I didn't know that. I've seen the you know, everyone's seen pictures of that, you know, the red guitar with the black and white stripes. I didn't know the history of Franken until today.
5: Yeah, I uh when I was in high school, um, I dated a girl and her her brother like saved for months and months and like bought that Van Halen guitar for like sixteen hundred dollars, you know, which, in the nineties.
2: I know since it was made of so many different guitar parts, multiple guitar companies claimed it, like like Fender had one, Gibson had one, Hamer had one do you know which which one you're referring to? Well,
5: it's been 25 years, Ben but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was very expensive, I remember it was like um, 3D modeled, like based off I'm not a reliable source for this information, you should uh,
4: <laughs> ask
5: Chiefs. <laughs> Call
4: up your ex-girlfriend and ask her what her
5: brother's
2: car is right
3: now <laughs> Put it on speaker. <laughs> uh,
2: did, did, did anyone else go down the, the, the Frankenstrat wormhole today, or is this common knowledge from you guys? Since I'm the just only one that's the, listened to this for the first
3: time this week. Just riff, buddy. What, what, what you got? Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. So he was, he wanted the sound of a classic Gibson, just, uh, uh, the hot pickups of a Gibson, but he liked aesthetically like a Fender Stratocaster's look. And he also uh, he wanted the physical attributes and the, the tremolo tremolo functionality of a Strat with a whammy, whammy bar. So he went to uh, a place that sold like a Fender factory second parts, uh, parts that were rejected by the, the Fender factory. And he bought a Stratocaster factory reject body because it had a a knot in it for 50 bucks. And he bought a factory second uh, neck for 80 bucks. So for 130 bucks, he's got the body of the Frankenstrat. Then he put uh, uh, a Gibson uh, Gibson pickup in the bridge pickup. Uh, He wasn't very good at electrical wiring enough to wire a guitar, but not, not the, to get into the nuanced. So he bypassed the whole area where you would have controls. Uh, it, so you, the guitars is either on or off. You can't control the volume or tone on it. Uh, it's just a closed circuit, but he did put a knob on the, that says tone. So, <laughs> <laughs> Maniac. Then, uh, to cover up the holes where the other knob and the pickup switch would be, he uh, he carved a, a vinyl, he, he cut a vi- vinyl record into the shape of a pick guard that, but just had it extended in the lower part to cover up where the knobs would be. So it's just a cut up vinyl record there. Uh, and then, so he's only using the, the uh, a friend of Stratocaster's got a place to put three different pickups. He put that Gibson pickup in the in the bridge slot and that's the only one he used. But he eventually he put another pickup in the next slot and then he put a three-way switch in the middle slot, but they weren't wired to anything. They were decoys to throw off people that were trying to build an imitation guitar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. What a cool X. Oh, and then he, he uh, mounted uh, uh, bicycle reflectors so he could flip his guitar upside down and reflect the stage lights into the crowd. <laughs> so, dude Frankenstrap man Frankie <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a cool axe oh and the, the paint job he did himself too uh, he painted it uh, black and then he put gaffer's tape on it in stripes and painted it white uh, uh, so that when he peeled off the gaffer's tape it's white, white with black stripes he played it like that for a while in fact the photo on the cover of Van Halen 1 it's white with black stripes and then he did gaffer's tape a, a second time and painted the whole thing red and then that's where you have the classic red black and white frankenstrat he also put a gibson badge on the fender headstock
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's that is it is true because uh just guitar talk the fenders are usually a little bit easier to play um you can get your hands it, Around them easier, so they're a little bit lighter mm-hmm. um, to to play up high on the neck, especially with the cutaway from a Stratocaster. So that's uh, the combination of that with the hot uh, uh, humbucker that you would get with a Gibson is absolutely the the tone there.
2: And cool. oh, then birch to, to 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 jump on you were you were saying that the playability of the Fender with the neck it actually does have a narrower neck. And the strings are closer together because when he took that Gibson pickup, he had to mount it kind of diagonally so the dots would still line up with the strings because it was set up for for a wider neck and further distance in between the strings. Oh, and then he he mount he he uh, mounted it uh, and uh he, something about uh, it was potted in paraffin wax to reduce microphonic feedback.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And that's the last thing I have to say about freaking yeah, cuz the co- <laughs> the coils
0: you'd have to dip in wax so it doesn't it doesn't uh, interfere with the string uh, reverb. Uh, he's like a
2: punk rock Brian May.
0: Totally. Yeah, punk rock Brian. I was going to say Brian May. Build in your own own stuff. Oh Costs 40000 to produce, uh, but obviously it's gone what? $10 diamond, diamond $10 million Yeah. by 1990. Ben Halen's like
1: one of maybe six rock and roll bands that have gone double diamond or, or diamond on two different albums. I forgot wow. the other album that I mean, might have yeah. been Ben Halen one that went diamond as well, but. 10 million copies in the US.
0: It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, but they deserve it, you know, like... Uh, 1984 was the other one, yeah, obviously, with Jump. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, of course. I did find it really cool that, you know, you when you think of, when we think of Van Halen, we usually... Kind of think of the later Van Halen jump and some of the other stuff that's a little more pop friendly and on MTV. It was cool to go pound back cake. and do, do research.
3: <laughs> You're thinking about pound cake, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking
0: about California Can't Drive 55, just 55? a gigolo. Five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. good. Uh, but it was fun to go back to the early, early like Van Halen and see, uh, see them playing the clubs. They literally just lived on the Sunset Strip and they practiced every freaking day um yeah and they were they're were essentially a cover band they could they had new 300 songs and then they just built up their repertoire as they were practicing at the god uh god how do you say it go go they were oh, they I'm had be- a residency at the Gazery, but then they got invited to the uh you're right whiskey go go they played there they played the troubadour they played every place they literally said that um, they paid their dues because they played every venue that invited them. No matter, you know what they got paid, they were just there to play in to shred. They eventually got uh, noticed a notice that I think it was whiskey a go, go by Gene Simmons, a kiss got yep. b- backstage with them, pulled them over to some demos in New York. He shopped them around. Nothing happened there. So, I, I can't imagine hearing eruption in like running with the devil and being like, eh, I don't know about this stuff.
2: I yeah. think that says something have about you his heard those defenses, demos, though?
0: connections, and salesman skills. Honestly,
2: if you can't sell <laughs> these demos, yeah, and,
0: and Kiss was big at the time. <laughs> yeah,
5: Kiss was on uh, uh, Casablanca Records, right? Like that was a disco label.
0: Yeah,
5: I'm That's sure true. maybe he could have presented them gold, and they would have been like, mm.
0: <laughs> true.
5: It's not well, a disco it, duck. Can,
2: Kiss released disco singles
5: of their own songs. I'm I'm confused, Ben. Can you elaborate?
2: Man, man, man! something help me out. I'm blanking on the I name right now. Made
5: what's... for loving you.
0: Like I know that song. I'm not gonna get off. Is topic that the one? With kiss, <laughs> disco, kiss. But
2: <laughs> are you talking back in the New York groove? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I yeah, yeah. I was made for loving you. It's absolutely a disco single. Of course, yeah. So what's so what's your beef?
5: No, I'm I'm saying they were on Casablanca <laughs> Records, which was, which was a disco label.
2: And I was right. saying that they release disco songs. Right. But the issue here is
1: that kiss management, which is probably Casablanca said Van Halen's going nowhere. <laughs> they, they, it was kiss management that turned down trying to push the demos. Gene Simmons brought it together, but there's like, Nope, shut it down, Gene. <laughs> so
5: have I you guys heard? Good- of the demos? I haven't heard the demos.
1: I haven't heard the demos, and I mean, no. who knows what they.
5: Maybe they're yeah, shitty. May,
1: it's possible, but
2: yeah, they're probably shitty. There's know. no they way.
1: Listen to the shitty band. There's no I mean, way. <laughs> you can't make Eddie's guitar playing sound shitty. You I was going to say it poorly, but <laughs> yeah. it's
2: probably that David Lee Roth's performance was not very charismatic.
1: Yeah, he was probably just feeling low energy one day. You know, like
2: <laughs> yeah, at, yeah, he yeah, just really. I'm no. sure. I'm sure he really phoned it in. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he like,
5: he you do research into the bad reviews for this record?
0: Yeah, go ahead. I have one of them, but go ahead. Which one do you have, Birch? Uh, from uh, Rolling Stone, Charles M. Young. Pre- predicted, quote, In three years, Van Halen is going to be fat, self-indulgent, and disgusting, following Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin right into, right the, into toilet. the toilet.
2: Right <laughs> <laughs> into the toilet. Oh, wait, that wait. person doesn't like Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin? In the meantime,
0: yeah. they're likely to be a big deal.
5: Yeah, uh, that was the, that was one of them. The other one was uh, uh, Robert Kreisgau. For some reason, Warners wants us to know that, that this is the biggest in Fernando Valley. This doesn't mean much Barbens, unless they're Boston.
2: <laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean-
5: no, yeah, this record and the fucking cars record both had reviewers that would not s- shut the fuck up about Boston.
2: Well, Cars are. I mean, cars are was from Boston,
5: Boston the number one band in 1978? Boston's A, fucking
2: amazing. A, <laughs> A yes, and B. Cars are from the. the they're, they're the other big band from that town <laughs> of the era. You know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, and like, Aerosmith, yeah. Yeah.
5: I'm looking up reviews, and two of them are like, "They're not Boston."
0: <laughs> Boston was huge. They they. Here's the thing, too to bring it back to Van Halen. Van Halen got put on the tour after they got signed in LA. They got put on the tour with uh, Boston and Game by Help me Out. There's another yeah, band like Bad was, Company, uh, I think, uh, that that w- was touring with them. And supposedly, they had some theories that they were messing up Van Halen's sound. No one could prove it, but they thought that they were messing up the soundboard for Van Halen because, as Van Halen was saying, they were blowing them away every night. And many people, what? many people said that Van Halen was like blowing, like just taking all of Boston's like groupies and all. They're basically like
2: Boston's not a live band. I 100 I believe that
0: they were just like tearing it up live in like over the top and they were the new band. And so they got, you know, kind of shit on by those other bands. Luckily, you know, they, they sent them over to England and they opened for black Sabbath same year. It was like, Oh my God. They were talking about how they were literally a month before looking up lyrics for black Sabbath songs, playing covers in LA. And a month later, they were signed in opening for black Sabbath. They just—that's awesome. They just jumped up the chain because they were tearing it up every single night.
2: Man, I I totally believe they outshone Boston at Boston's own show. Like, yeah. but well, and I, I I love Boston. Yeah. But Van Halen had had been playing live at, like probably five nights a week for the last four years on the Sunset Strip. And Boston had never played live until the record got big and, and he had to throw together a band so he could play live. Like, well, and Van there's Halen. No, there's no way, as good as, as good as the folks in Boston are and as good as their album is, there's no way they can have the same presence on a stage as Van Halen in 1978.
1: And the guys in Van Halen liked each other,
2: <laughs> unlike <laughs> some of the guys in Boston. So. They also knew each other.
1: Right. Yeah. That also helps a lot. Yeah. The story behind that's kind of crazy. Like, I guess, uh, David Lee Roth, son of a Bloomington ophthalmologist. I didn't know he was from Bloomington, Indiana. Yep. No shit. DLR born in Bloomington, Indiana.
4: No Uh, shit.
1: They moved out West and, uh, uh, David Lee Roth was in a, like a R and B band, you know, like, and that you can see a lot of that, like in his style and performance for sure. I'd listen to that. And uh, I forget what they're called. They were called like the Red Ball Jets or something like that. Red Ball
0: Jets, yeah.
4: Oh, there yeah. you go.
1: And uh, so apparently, the Van Halen brothers were like, "Oh, well, we need to. We're gonna we're gonna go play a show. We need to to get a PA, but we don't we don't have the money to buy our own PA. We'll rent uh, David Lee Roth's PA for ten bucks a night. And then like I think something happened to their singing. they're like, "All right." We'll, we'll we'll do David Lee Roth now. Like he had tried out earlier and they rejected him.
0: <laughs> Eddie was the singer, and they decided who
2: rejects David Lee Roth as a frontman, <laughs> especially if you don't know he's an asshole. Yeah, they they just figured though it was no. e-
0: easier to stop renting and just go for it with uh, David Lee Roth. Paid off though. I mean, he was a natural showman. He, he also invented the, the front man style for a lot of the cock, what people would call cock rock or hair metal.
2: I wish David Lee Roth was was my plan B.
0: (laughs) A really
5: good singer and a really bad singer simultaneously.
2: But even his bad singing has so much David Lee Rothiness to it it, 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 it. It's his personality. You know, well, we talk about how Eric Clapton is good but has no personality, and we would rather have someone who played not as good as Eric Clapton but had Uh, better personality. He's got a
5: personality.
2: Well, no, well, his playing doesn't. Maybe it's a bad analogy. But uh, David Lee Roth, yeah, he hits all the notes, but what sells it to me is him just being goofy-ass David Lee Roth (laughs) who is always performing at a 12 out of 10, you know?
1: Apparently Van Halen speaking of fussiness was one of the first and apparently like one band to make a wish list on their writer. They're the Brown they the m and band, right? They're the Brown m and band. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. And it's a good point. It's not just being fussy. It's saying, okay, well, if the venue has read the writer well enough to actually comply with putting out a bowl of M&M's that they've removed all the Brown M&M's from, they've probably complied with the other things we've asked for about, you know, voltage and everything
5: else. Have, for have, have we talked what's about on that stage. on this show
2: before? Wait, are you writer? pro weird writer? No, no. I I know what I know what John's talking about. I don't know if we've discussed it. Have we discussed it?
0: Well, not really, uh, not with them. But yeah, it, the common theory that you you provide one weird ask on your writer and that that uh, seals the deal that they've paid attention.
2: Yeah, like well, at this point of Van Halen's career. Well, at the brown M&M point of Van Halen's career, David Lee Roth is flying over the crowd on wires. Yeah. You know, and so it's a a canary in a coal mine. If you get to a venue and they've read through your rider enough that they do have a bowl with all the brown M&Ms removed, it was never about the M&Ms. It was about attention to detail. Can you trust them to let yourself fly on a wire over a crowd? You know?
5: (laughs) You have blown my mind.
0: Yeah, yep. yep. that's true. Method to the madness. Uh, also, around this time, they became notorious for antics, many antics. They were riding high, literally and very figu- high, figuratively, very, 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 very high.
1: high. <laughs> 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 uh, they had stereo more- boxes full of cocaine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Not that much
0: cocaine. Not that high. Not, not Snowblind snow snow <laughs> <blonde>, yet. <yeah. laughs>
2: How about after their tour with Sabbath?
4: Uh, probably <laughs> after Sabbath,
0: yeah. Um, they did have like a system uh, for people fighting in the audience that they would be like, A9. And it it went, you know, lateral vertical where they could say, oh, these people are fighting. Get them out of there. But it also was a system for, guess it, David Lee Roth oh, girls to in the back get room. groupies. Uh-oh. And he Ew. would say g5 red top and he and he would say that to someone off stage who would then hand them a backstage pass he had a system worked out with backstage passes that were he gave five to each of the roadies they would give them to beautiful girls if the girl they would write their initials on the back if the girl ended up with david lee roth he got the backstage pass and he paid out 100 to 250 to that roadie for that night. I mean that is what happens. That's one way to do it. Uh
2: that is a man with a strategy to get laid. Yeah. It you know, you could say it's lecherous. <laughs> but you could also and say you'd it's right.
0: And be right. <laughs> you'd be right. And you'd be right. You'd be right. Uh,
2: but I mean if it's 1978 and and you're a rocker all doped up on coke and your goal that night is to play the show and and then get laid that's some project management
0: he was efficient he had a system (laughs) I can say that Uh, also Madison Wisconsin Sheridan Hotel they stayed for a week seventh floor throwing furniture out the window spraying fire extinguishers in the hallways taping fish to the ceiling so it would smell for other people who knows? Well
2: that's just rude. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> <is> bad behavior.
0: <laughs> they basically became um I, I hadn't really considered it before either. They were wh- when we think of Motley Crue, when we think of Poison, when we think of all these other bands, I mean it was Van Halen that was like here we we create this this chaos and that is that is something to be I guess Imitated or to yeah, look I mean, they upon. Probably
1: learned a couple tricks at the feet of Black Sabbath. Oh and no! Like, oh,
0: we don't, can do that. Don't don't get me wrong. There <laughs> were definitely Jerry Lee Lewis was crashing uh, <laughs> hotels and starting riots. But they Run definitely through the
2: forests of Germany with a pistol in your pocket.
0: <laughs> they I'll definitely weren't influenced.
2: I to to a certain extent. I, I've I've never. Never at, obviously, obviously never at Van Halen level. But I've been drunk at a hotel after a show before. And and uh, and as uh, Tom Verlaine would say, you know, uh, I see destructive urges. Uh, and I totally get the instant gratification of being on top of the world and just throwing something out of a window because who cares? I have been there before and I get that. But taping a fish to the ceiling so the next person has a stinky room that uh, that crosses some line for me <laughs> like like that that's not instant gratification that's just being an asshole
0: No it's more like taping it to other people's rooms so Oh like, so uh, like they're roadies. It's a it's a prank It's a, prank. Oh, yeah. that's wow, a good it's prank. prank Yeah <laughs>
3: it's a
2: solid prank but Hey bro if you really want to uh, if you really want to prank them though you need two fish and you True. put one in a drawer and then you put the other one like in the drop ceiling. It's always so in, even, the,
3: it's, it's in the uh, air conditioned intake, man.
2: Yeah. It's, so it's, like, they'll smell it and they'll look around for the smell and they'll find the fish in the drawer and they'll stop looking. And then for weeks, they'll think, man, that fish that was in that drawer still stunk up this room. Classic That's how you prank. Do it. That's how you do it. It's the two fish surprise. We're on prank talk. <laughs> yeah. We're still
1: talking about
5: Van Halen, right?
2: Yeah.
3: You were you were talking about um was it the uh the, the fenders that have the, the easier like yeah they have a slimmer neck. Action
0: up higher mm-hmm. yeah, unless you get a 1960s. Slimmer neck, deeper cutaways.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because one of the um one of the solos that uh, Eddie Van Halen consistently rips all the all, all solos are amazing but one of them on uh on ice cream man of all things uh like he's doing uh like he's fretting on the 12 and then like reaching up the 16 and the 19 um which is a, a, a fucking hell of a stretch
2: does he have um, did he have really big hands like hendrix hendrix had he, huge hands
3: i don't think he did I, I found that I found what you were talking about. Interesting with the, uh, the different action types and I,
0: yeah, yeah. The action that you can adjust the action on almost any guitar, but a lot of, I mean, it depends on how you're, 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 you're playing a lot of those, uh, uh, like Jackson guitars, um, are, are the metal guitars are very tuned into being very low action. So you d- barely have to press a string down and then to have nope. a thin, on the back of the neck. So where you're, you're holding it, it's just, it's like butter. You can go up and down the neck. Now that doesn't necessarily help so much with like resonance. And that's where those older guitars have a little bit more of an advantage. They don't sound as thin. They can sound a little bit thicker, but a lot of the Gibson Les Pauls would have what they would call the baseball neck. Um, and that was mainly used because of the angle of the headstock if it were to hit something or damage, it wouldn't pop off the head um, ah. so much. So they had a little bit of a thicker neck. Also, I think it was a lot of more handcrafted at the time. So they didn't want a thin neck, and you were traveling with your guitar. You know, you don't want to uh, have it go out of tune and warp because of humidity and things like that. There are special ones like the 1960s were a little bit thinner. I have a 1960s, and it's really nice because it has an ebony neck. Uh, ebony fretboard and a thinner neck than a typical uh Les Paul but yeah he was using uh i think it was a regular uh, strat with like a maple neck or a maple fretboard uh maple fretboard ash body yep ash body and, was he also filing
2: down the necks.
3: uh was he filing down the frets themselves as well yeah, I, was. Or is that just a rumor
0: uh yeah on some a lot of guitarists would do that a lot of times on filing those those fret uh fretboards boards is it was one it does make it slightly easier but sometimes you do need to file those just to get the the it make it easier to play it's a very fine tune um but he was definitely into that he had so many guitars and it was really into like guitar tech stuff although i felt like early on he he was like <laughs> i mean he did a lot of this stuff too the guitar the innovations because he couldn't afford all these pedals obviously when he he got more money he could he could do a lot of the the phasing and uh elements of the uh, of what he then performed but yeah he did work very hard at making his guitar perfect for for him that's awesome
2: and uh, Perch, just the backpack track for a quick second for uh non-guitars out there when you're talking about the action you're just talking about the distance of the strings pushing from down. The, between the strings and the neck right
0: yeah yeah so All you're right. you're pushing uh down that's called the action uh so a lot of guitars uh are have a i want to say it would probably be like a couple millimeters but when you're talking about a really 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 small Uh, action there it just makes it so much easier when you're rolling your fingers over and tapping to to have less action you always run the risk though of buzzing uh if it's hitting another fret if you get too if it gets too close to the to the frets
3: Did you guys notice, or I—I I don't know if it's just me projecting what I think was uh, slash was going for, but the opening of "Welcome to the Jungle" oh, uh, absolutely versus the opening of Atomic Punk, oh I gosh. think it's the same thing.
4: Totally.
0: <laughs> this is Van Halen is absolutely. I—I I got so many. Uh, uh, I, I kept thinking, oh man, the, "Welcome to the Jungle." I mean, this is. This is that air is welcome to the jungle. The way that people felt in the 90s uh, when that album came out is probably the, the same way they felt when this album came out. I yeah, think Appetite uh, was 87. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You're right. Late 80s. Is this the only uh, Van Halen we're getting? No, we're going to get 1984. So you can jump then. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I, and, and I will. And I will jump so
2: high. It's going to be so,
0: crazy.
2: I want to talk about the Kinks cover. Okay, Yeah. So recently we were talking about the jam, All Mod Cons, and they cover David Watts, which is a good song and their version of it's fine. But as much as the jam was trying to channel the kinks, it wasn't ringing any bells for me. I, I would rather listen to the kinks. And I think what that was was the jam wasn't elevating any source material why listen to the jams Jam play David Watts when I could just listen to the Kinks play David Watts? Van Halen, on the other hand, are elevating the source material of You Really Got Me. Like, I think that both those albums came out in 1978. Both of them cover a Kinks track. Van Halen's treatment of You Really Got Me is how you do a relevant cover of a Kinks song in 1978, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they're bringing the same like party sensibilities, but it's no longer uh, a mid '60s party. Now it's a late '70s party.
2: <laughs> right, right. They they don't really change it structurally at all. They just they're just Van Halen. They yeah. they that you can you can insert your own personality to it, which the Jam did not, which Van Halen does. Mm-hmm. And I the first time I heard Van Halen's version of "You" really got me was in a commercial. I forget what it was advertising, but there was a G.I. Joe walking around and he was <laughs> driving a Barbie in a, like a Barbie dream car. And, was like, it an Ed ad was, for
1: mozzarella sticks or like and Bigfoot pizza
2: It was like Barbie was hanging out with Ken and Ken was being lame. And then G.I. Joe rolls up, like maybe in a Jeep, maybe it's a Jeep commercial. I don't remember. The G.I. Joe rolls up to Van Halen's You Really Got Me and Barbie gets in. And then like her and G.I. Joe are off to make out point, you know. And I had known the song you really got me before then. This probably came out mid 90s this commercial, but I'd never heard like the 80s metal treatment of it and it was it was new ears to me. I thought it was such a cool interpretation of that of that cool song, even as a kid.
5: Ben, have you heard uh, Oingo Boingo's version of You Really Got Me? I have not. Off their first record, Rob Ross.
3: Oingo Boingo's first Absolutely. We're not getting to any Oingo Boingo.
5: <laughs> Oingo's
3: first what? record,
5: they covered You Really what? Got Me.
3: Who the hell would put Oingo Boingo in, in a uh, thousand and one albums you must hear? Man,
2: if we have to sit through Limp Bizkit, maybe we get some okay, Oingo Boingo.
3: No, I, I get it, but there's going to be so many like 1980s bands that we're, I'm going to just continue to be angry with. So I'm I'm giving up on my anger right now.
2: I would have thought that Oingo Boingo would have the type of Velvet Underground effect where maybe they didn't sell a lot of records, but all of those people started bands that put out records in the later 80s and 90s.
3: No, everyone's just... They they get chalked up to being a soundtrack band, unfortunately, and people miss the subtle nuances, which sucks. Well, Forbidden
5: Zone rules. Yes, it does. Uh, So the guitarist from The Kinks got like real saucy because like uh they played a show and a fan came up to him and congratulate him on their van halen cover <laughs>
2: <laughs> No, 100 that, that, that person's trolling there's no, no that way really happened, bro. <laughs> no, no, that happened there's, bro there's no way that someone Dude, had not heard the, the original example. version of you really got <laughs> yeah but that, at, at that point that song's only like 13 years old like <laughs> like
5: maybe the maybe the guy at the concert was 13 years old bro
2: oh my goodness no no, you might got really no one thinks that you really got me is van Halen's song i will die on this hill that person was a troll <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: i uh i want to correct something i said earlier it was not boston it was journey that they opened up oh. for oh Sorry yeah, about that. Sure. Well,
2: yes they can also blast
0: journey off the stage yeah i think so too yeah Sorry it's about probably that.
2: easier to blast Journey off the stage. Mm-hmm.
0: The single was "You Really Got Me," which was interesting. It yeah. reached number 19 on the Billboard 200. Uh, spent three weeks on the chart. Oh, sorry, Van Halen reached number 19 on the Billboard Top 200. Their single of the Kinks, "You Really Got Me," spent three weeks on the chart, peaking at number 36. But that's not oh. where the kids were at. The kids were at the shows.
2: Yeah. My, the Barbie G.I. Joe commercial with you really got me. It was Nissan.
0: <laughs>
2: Excellent. <laughs> it was bugging me. I'm sorry. <laughs>
5: I've long uh talked about the Airhead soundtrack. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah dude. Movie that it. got me into the Ramones.
5: Uh four non-blondes covered I'm the one. Ah, oh, that's a good and one. And it's a very fucking good cover.
3: zay
2: Kyle, what do you what do you think about the song? What's going on? The Fortnite Blonde song, what's going on?
5: Um, I believe what's that
2: up? what's up? That's what it is. What's, what's up? up? What's yeah. going on is what, Buffalo Springfield.
5: Ben, I believe that every time you go to karaoke, um, somebody either has to sing that song or me and Bobby McGee.
2: Don't forget Love um, Shack.
5: And if if nobody sings either of those songs, then you open a dark rift.
3: Yeah, the, the <laughs> Hellmouth opens.
0: Yeah. Or Neil Diamond. You can sing Sweet Caroline. So I have one complaint before we sign off. I have one complaint about the album cover. I do think the album cover is very cool. It, it's very good photos um, of them. Cool little logo and their name. But I have one complaint. Can anybody guess it? It's
3: not an angel smoking a cigarette. No. <laughs> the
2: guitar is not the red version. No.
0: Nope. It's not
3: a cherub smoking a cigarette. No. Nope.
2: Uh, it says Van Halen twice. Yes.
3: There's no reason to put Van There's Halen absolutely no
2: reason to put Van, Van Halen twice. twice. You're, you're right. <laughs> but there are two Van Halens in it. That's also actually a really good point, Rob.
1: Yeah, the, the, the top Van Halen is for Alex and the middle Van Halen is for Ed. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, I also wanted to give a shout out. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying shout out, but like he's listening. Um, but I did want to mention that Michael Anthony's voice is awesome. The backup what is, what, vocals. What is, does he
2: just sing backup, or do I know his voice on from one of these? No,
0: no. Well, he does backup. No, he just does backup. Uh, I mean, is a amazing bass player. Uh, is he primary? The-
2: I want to t- Birch. Tell me, tell me about Michael Anthony's bass playing oh and God. vocals, because seriously, as a non bass player, the the impression I always got from Michael Anthony was he's just playing the root and letting everyone else shine.
0: Yeah. That's very accurate. Yes, he does okay. do, does not overstep, and I think that's smart because Eddie is so bombastic to his approach, and they didn't have another guitar. They didn't have Sammy to do a diff, you know a secondary guitar at the time. That he holds down uh, the steady beat.
2: Is he the Ringo Starr of bass players?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he's underappreciated, um, but I think he really does shine because of his backup vocals. They're pretty I didn't know he on.
2: sang. That's, that's cool to hear.
0: Yeah. So I think they had a really good thing. The other thing I was going to mention is it is interesting that a lot of these songs don't have um, an overdubbed guitar, like a secondary guitar while there's a solo going on. I find that incredible. That happens a lot with Jimi Hendrix, and that's a way for you to say, I'm a good enough guitarist that, you're not even going to think think about how there's not another guitar uh, while I'm playing this solo.:
3: That's cool. I look forward to speaking more of Michael Anthony and uh, during the nineteen eighty-four thing where we can talk about the YouTube clip, Michael Anthony drunk bass solo. I'm looking forward <laughs> to speaking Ooh, more I like right that. about that. Yeah. 1984 <laughs> hey, as long is as
2: we haven't signed off yet and we're still talking about and we're talking about <laughs> YouTube clips. I mean, if you guys don't want to talk about David Lee Roth's isolated vocal tracks for running with the devil, we don't need it's to. It's great, but bro. <laughs> I mean, we we can just we can just say, hey. Check it out. It's worth checking out.
3: It is worth yeah. checking out. If you haven't Let's seen see it, it Patreon. on Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
4: there,
3: there, there, is a, there is an isolated track that everyone should check out. Also, make sure that you listen to that Mark Maron interview with David Lee Roth. It is insanity.
2: Do you think that he snuck the siren whistle into the vocal booth? Yes, or do you think everyone knew that he brought it in?
3: No, that he absolutely <laughs> snuck that in. He <laughs> was in one of his mini bandanas he was wearing, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Birch, That's I right. love this record.
0: Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. This, this, is, this is fantastic. We're all, we're all it is, positive, right?
2: It is fun. It is virtuosity. It, 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 it's it's yeah. it's great. Check it out. Yeah. To bring
1: like the hard rock back in, like all the prog and punk and new wave and metal, but add that hard rock back in. I mean, and make it something new. It's, it's fucking great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Let's go drug beers in the parking lot, guys.
0: Next time we'll be talking about Willie Cologne and Ruben Blades Siembra. Thanks y'all.